Suffering. Is there a purpose to it? Is there a value in it? How do we respond to people who object to God's existence or his sovereignty because of suffering? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. Hello once again and welcome everybody to BibleStudyPodcast.org. I am your host, Toby Logsdon. Today is Wednesday. And of course, on Wednesdays, we do cultural issues and apologetics. Today we're doing something a little bit different. This is actually going to be a class assignment for me. But uh, in addition to being an assignment, I thought this would be a great uh, study for us to do on apologetics for our Wednesday sessions. So I hope this is something that will be a blessing to you guys. I hope you guys are having a great week and that the Lord is blessing you abundantly. Of course, as always, I appreciate all the emails I've been getting from you guys lately. It's always a blessing and a privilege to get to know you guys. It's just, it's really neat to to hear from you guys. So if you ever have any questions or comments or just want to say, hey, my email is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, or you can go to biblestudypodcast.org, and at the top, you'll see a contact button. If you just click on that, it will shoot an email to me. So go ahead and do that if you have any questions or comments. Um, and for those of you who have been longtime listeners, I'm going to need some help getting the word about Bible study podcasts out because iTunes has changed their format. Uh, no longer can you go to the religion and spirituality section on iTunes to, um, to, to find us. Uh, and we're not even listed under Christianity. I have no idea what they're doing, but if you guys could just, you know, help me get the word out about BibleStudyPodcasts.org, that would be great. And hopefully we can uh, we can keep reaching new people. So anyway, without any further ado, I, I don't want to want to bog this down with announcements or anything. Let's go ahead and get started with today's lesson. You know, as, as some of you are aware, I teach a Sunday school class at my church, uh, Oak Grove Baptist Church in Waxhaw, North Carolina. And a few weeks ago, we had a really, really interesting, in-depth discussion about suffering as we were going through our lesson in the book of Matthew. We were going through the Beatitudes, and that was what we came across. And there were some really diverse opinions about suffering that were voiced in our class. And I was, you know, once again reminded that the whole idea of suffering, the whole concept of suffering is something that a lot of Christians aren't exactly comfortable with. Does God actually allow suffering? Is there a purpose to suffering? Is there any value in suffering? You know, these are all questions that we covered in in a classroom of around, you know, 10 or so people. It was amazing to me to see such a wide range of opinions and answers. You know, some of the people in the class thought that there was value to suffering. I'm one of those people. Uh, I believe that there's a tremendous amount of value in suffering. But some people in the class weren't exactly sure how God could actually allow suffering. Of course, the fact that there is suffering in the world is undeniable, and that's been a long-standing objection to belief in God for many atheists. How can a holy, righteous, all-powerful, and just God allow suffering to take place? Why doesn't he just, you know, come down, step in, and, and bring it all to an end? 
as I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, you know, Matt is getting ready to do a study here on BibleStudyPodcast.org on the book of Job. And uh, if any of you have read the book of Job, or if you are even familiar with his story, you know that it's a story of a man who undergoes more suffering than any of us are ever likely to experience. And yet his faith in God remains strong. It remains intact despite the terrible circumstances, losing his family, losing everything. Despite these circumstances that he's forced to go through, his faith remains strong. And I really believe that this speaks to us even today. 3,500 years, 3,500 years after the book of Job was written, because life still isn't easy. There is still suffering in the world. The world has changed drastically, obviously, since Job's time, but suffering remains nonetheless. You know, I realize that Christianity has come under somewhat of an intellectual attack in our country here in the United States, and there are many of us who are racing to the front lines of the battle zone in response. And many Christians in North America will tell you that they feel as though they're being persecuted for their faith. And, you know, maybe we are, but there is a truth that I want all of you to understand. And that is that where comfort abides, faith is invariably going to be at least somewhat stagnant, if not completely stagnant. You know, the greatest growth that I personally have ever experienced in all of my years as a Christian came when I stepped out, stepped away from my comfort zone. I experienced more growth in my faith there than I had ever experienced before just by going on a mission to a small, impoverished Eastern European country called Moldova. And I didn't go, you know, with my church. A lot of people, you know, go with with their church. I didn't go with friends. I didn't even go with my family. I left all those things behind for five weeks and went by myself. I went all by myself. I had never gone on a mission before, but I knew that the Lord was calling me to go. And so I tried to be obedient to that and I went. You know, and as a result of stepping out of my comfort zone on this mission, I I did face suffering. You know, there wasn't much to eat compared to what I'm used to here. There would sometimes be nothing to drink, especially in the middle of the night, in this small village of, you know, maybe 50 or so people that I was located in because I couldn't drink their well water. I had to wait until the store opened in the morning and and go get some water that was bottled. I had difficulty sleeping at night. Uh, first of all, there were chickens right outside of this window that uh, in the room that I was staying in. Not only that, but it was close to 95 degrees at night and there was no air conditioning. You know, I probably averaged a total of maybe three or four hours of sleep per night and we would work hard in the daytime. It was hot and we would do a lot of work for people in the community, whether it was pulling weeds or, or doing what, you know. We were going around to people's homes and trying to reach them. And, you know, on top of all that, I missed my wife and children terribly. Compared to my life back at home in the United States, you know, I was seriously suffering. But I grew tremendously in my faith and learned more about God and more about His plan for me in those five weeks than I had ever learned in all of my years of being a Christian combined you know, for those of you who have followed our ministry here at BibleStudyPodcast.org, you know that we are adamantly opposed to strong Calvinism, which uh, which affirms doctrines such as the total depravity of mankind, 
And, you know, we believe in the depravity of man, but, but the strong Calvinist position takes it to such an extent that the image of God in us is erased. Uh, they also affirm the unconditional election of the saints, which eliminates our free will and our ability to accept God's gift of salvation. And, uh, and they affirm the limited atonement of Christ, which essentially means um, it, it says that Christ's atoning sacrifice was insufficient to cover the sins of all of humanity. And, you know, for that reason, I'll be honest, I don't support a lot of the things that, that teachers and pastors like John Piper advocate. However, I had to read one of his books, one of John Piper's books called Let the Nations Be Glad recently for my cross-cultural studies class. And I didn't particularly enjoy the book. I probably would not recommend you guys buying the book, but he brought up some great points about the value of suffering. I want to share six points that he makes which demonstrate the value of suffering. We all know that there's suffering in the world. And for those of us who are Christians, we must have a legitimate response to the person who objects to God's sovereignty or existence or his righteousness or justice because suffering exists. So let's go ahead and ask the question, why does God allow suffering? The first reason that John Piper outlines here is that suffering deepens faith and holiness. You know, if anyone ever was accustomed to suffering, it was the Apostle Paul. In his first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote, quote, We do not want you to be ignorant, that is not knowing, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, what an amazing thing that Paul, who was probably the single most dedicated missionary of all time throughout history, Paul was so burdened by whatever was happening in his mission trip to Asia that he would think that it was his final destination. This verse doesn't tell us exactly what happened to him to bring him to the point where he thought he was going to die or had received the death sentence, but it does tell us that as a result of his own inability to succeed, he was forced to rely on God. Instead of attributing his suffering to Satan, as we are so commonly used to doing, he indicates that it was God who ordained his suffering so that Paul himself would stop relying on Paul. The same principle applies to us as well. Part of our nature is that we tend to, to pride ourselves in being self-reliant, self-reliable. We don't want to have to rely on anybody but ourselves because of our pride, but that's our sin nature. God wants us to learn to rely on him, and he will ordain suffering in our lives. He will ordain hardships in our lives in order to bring us to a point where we have no choice but to rely on him. The second point that Piper makes is that suffering will make our cup increase. And by this, he basically just means that suffering will prepare us for experiencing God's glory better than comfort ever will. In his second letter to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote that, quote, this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You know, he also wrote to the Romans that he considered Quote, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory 
that is to be revealed to us. In the lesson we were covering in my Sunday school class that I was telling you about at the beginning of the podcast, one of the verses we talked about was Jesus teaching in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. In other words, because of our suffering, because of our hardships, we will enjoy the glory of God all the more once we are in his presence. For that reason, you might even say that suffering is a way of being prepared to enjoy heaven even more than you would have if you would have lived a life of continual comfort. The third reason that God allows suffering, according to Piper, is that suffering is the price of making others bold. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in, in the epistle to the Philippians that, quote, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's imprisonment didn't scare people away. It didn't scare other Christians away from the idea of spreading the gospel or sharing their faith with others around them. You know, that's the result we would probably expect. Uh, but instead, we learn that they became even more bold, even more bold with their faith. Even in our world today, you know, people are killed on a weekly basis for their faith in God. It might not happen in your neighborhood. It might not happen in your country. But do you know why the church is more alive and more on fire in the continent of Asia than it is possibly anywhere else in the world? It's because the Christians in Asia have seen people be beaten. They've seen people be imprisoned, and they've seen Christians be killed for their faith. Believers look at those who suffer for their faith, and instead of you know being withdrawn into a state of fear, they think, wow, I want a faith like that. And as a result, those Christians who witness the suffering and persecution of their Christian brothers and sisters become all the more anxious to live their faith out, sharing it with others around them, despite the circumstances, despite the possible consequences. Instead of extinguishing their light, when they see somebody else persecuted and suffering for their faith, it's like pouring kerosene on fire. The fourth reason that Piper outlines is that suffering fills up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And, you know, that's not to say that Christ was not sufficiently afflicted, and it's not to say that Christ's suffering was, was somehow lacking. It doesn't say that at all. That's not what he means. But, you know, one way that Paul drew people to the Lord was by his attitude in the midst of suffering. Paul wrote in his first letter addressed to the church in Thessalonica, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Despite their afflictions, which came as a result of teaching or hearing the gospel, just like Paul and just like Jesus, those in the church in Thessalonica was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of afflictions rather than feeling despair or regret. You know, I can virtually assure you that Paul never once said, man, I wish I, I hadn't been teaching the gospel today while he was being beaten or whipped or tortured. You know, instead he experienced joy in the midst of his affliction. Paul was willing to suffer for Christ and in a sense with Christ for teaching the gospel. The fifth reason is that suffering enforces the missionary command to go. If you have never gone on a mission before, let me ask you a question. When you think of going on a mission, what do you imagine? 
Do you imagine starving children? That's probably the most common image that spurs people to say, you know, I want to go there and help. I want to help. If those children were not physically starving, how inclined would you be to go and help? Their spiritual, their spiritual malnourishment, their spiritual starvation is not nearly so moving for most Christians, unfortunately. But God is constantly calling us out of our comfort zones in order that we can grow deeper in our faith and grow deeper in our relationship with Him. You know, one of the ways He calls us out of our comfort zones is to allow us to witness or become aware of the suffering of others. Comfort sparks nothing but apathy. For the Christian who sees or reads about a child who is suffering needlessly, it snaps the apathy right out of us. And it immediately makes us uncomfortable. And you know, once we're uncomfortable, God has a greater chance of getting our attention. The sixth and final reason that Piper outlines is that the supremacy of Christ is manifested in suffering. Paul wrote about a thorn in his flesh from which he suffered. Some people think, you know, it was an eye problem. He couldn't see very well. Others may think that, you know, it might have been a wound that he received while he was being beaten that never healed properly. And, you know, we can really only, uh, we can really only speculate on this. But whatever it was, Paul had begged and pleaded with God to remove it. And instead of removing it, God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul therefore wrote that he would, quote, boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Where did this strength come from? Well, Paul himself was was personally weak, but it was the strength of Christ in Paul which would make Paul strong. It was the strength of Christ which was made manifest. The fact is that suffering and weaknesses will provide qualities in us that will make us more effective in our witness to the world because in those moments of weakness and suffering, it's Christ's strength that will be manifested through us in our lives. Friends, there is certainly a great value to suffering. There is absolutely no question about it. And if you have never gone on a mission before, if you have never gone out of your comfort zone to the point where you feel like you have no ground to stand on, let me encourage you to go on a mission because there is nothing else that will strengthen your relationship with God. There is nothing that will draw you closer to God than stepping as far away from your comfort zone as you possibly can. Let's end this with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for being a God who loves us intimately and cares about us intimately. Thank you for being a God who will discipline and chastise his children to draw us closer to you and to purify our lives, to take the things out of our lives which don't belong there. Lord, I just ask that this message, that this lesson would wake us all up and would make us more bold to proclaim your truth and to love you all the more, Father. Thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray that you would bless it. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening today. I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope it gives you some answers for when you are responding to people who object or uh, you know resist the gospel because of suffering in the world. Again, we are a listener-supported ministry 
If you would like to support us, if you support what we're doing, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and there is a support box on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation to Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries of North Carolina if that is what the Lord is leading you to do. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I will see you next time.